Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. Recently, during a very enjoyable side gig as guitar accompanist for a local elementary school chorus, I noticed that one of the kids was wearing a t-shirt on which was pictured three chess pieces, a rook, a knight, and a bishop. This along with the words, I'm always three moves ahead. Well, not only did that make me laugh and feel a little sorry for that kid's teacher, but it also brought back the memory of when I was 13 years old and I learned to play the game of chess. Actually, to say that I learned to play the game is to put it mildly. The truth is, is that for a period of time while I was in junior high school, I was passionate about chess. Now, those of us of a certain age might remember that for a very brief time during the early 1970s, it became extremely cool to play chess, especially as the American Bobby Fischer was playing Boris Spatsky of the Soviet Union for the World Chess Championship a long and intensely emotional confrontation between two chess grandmasters, rich with the social and political undertones of the Cold War. Over the course of that one summer, the whole country was caught up in this competition, and so was I. Hey, I even owned a dog-eared copy of the official Bobby Fischer Teaches Chess paperback, in which I was taught to, or as was printed on the back of the book, to think the same way that Bobby does. Suffice to say that for a while there, I was eating, sleeping, and breathing chess, coercing matches with just about everyone I knew, from friends and family to the retired farmer who lived down the road from us on the lake. And it paid off. I became fairly skilled at the rudiments of the game of chess, though as I think back on it now, I never actually won a game all that often. And here's why. As you probably know, the object of chess is to move your pieces in such a way that you can capture your opponent's king, all the while protecting your king from the attack on your opponent. I was very good at protecting my king. I easily positioned all my pieces in such a way that it was virtually impossible for my opponent to make an attack at least not without losing their queen, or a rook or bishop in the bargain. Now in my 13-year-old brain, this was a great defensive strategy, and admittedly it worked. The only trouble was that this impenetrable chessboard fortress was built at the expense of my offense. Since I'd used up all the important pieces to defend my king, I had nothing left to go after my opponent without opening myself up to attack. I couldn't win, because I wasn't willing to move my chess pieces in an aggressive and strategic way. And anyone who's truly good at this game will tell you that in order to win, you have to be willing to risk yourself for the sake of getting at your opponent's king. Oftentimes, the best moves involve leaving yourself open for attack, and even potentially losing a few key pieces in the attempt. This choice of gameplay is risky, indeed. And the challenge for any chess player seeking victory is to find the right balance between dwelling in safety 
and acting with boldness. It seems to me that there's a similar challenge before any of us who seek to follow Christ and to walk the way of discipleship. So many of us, and I would include myself in this, began the journey of faith at least in part because we knew that we were not setting out on the journey alone, but always in the safe and warm embrace of God. To follow God's own Son along life's pathway, with a true purpose grounded in hope, joy, and above all with love, is to answer a call that's both exciting and awesome. And then to know that as we go, God's protection and care is such that we are, as the old hymn puts it, safe and secure from all alarms, well, that's almost irresistible. But then, as we actually start to follow Jesus, we discover that there's more to discipleship than merely passing the days all wrapped up in God's graceful, enveloping, and saving love. There's that, yes, but there's also the matter of living living openly and boldly out of that same love. Spend much time with Jesus, you see, and you quickly discover that his way is the way of the cross, and that if we're truly going to follow Jesus, we'll need to take up our own crosses as well. And that means we'll no longer have the luxury of sitting on the warm and comfy sidelines of life, but we'll need to confront the world's evil and its injustices, and to do it head-on, with the kind of boldness that only proceeds from faith. It will often require speaking the truth of love, when most others around you will insist on remaining silent. Sometimes it'll lead to taking a stand that almost certainly will not appear beneficial by worldly standards. And yes, if we're being honest, there might even be the rare occasion when living with true faithfulness will leads you to some sort of sacrifice of a relationship, a, a job, or at the very least, the status quo. You might not actually have to bear the cross, but to be a true disciple, you most certainly will have to walk in its way. The thing is, not unlike how I built those impenetrable fortresses on the chessboard as this new and inexperienced player, each of us always has the choice to keep our faith journeys safe and easy. Certainly, if we choose merely to regard our faith as simply a warm and fuzzy blanket, we do manage to avoid many of the difficulties that life inevitably sets forth. However, as Jesus might put it, at the end of the journey we'll also find ourselves that much further from the kingdom of God. And moreover, we'll miss the experience of that kingdom coming to fruition both around us and within us. So the question is, how willing are we, after all is said and done, to truly follow Jesus and walk the way of the cross? Can we embrace God's promises, even if we cannot yet see clearly the fulfillment of those promises? Can we make the necessary moves in our lives and living to, that'll bring us closer to God's kingdom? Or is the truth of it that we're merely positioned only to the extent that we're where we want to be positioned, and that's where we're going to stay because that's where we feel safe and comfortable? These are no small questions, and our answers have everything to do with the place that faith holds in our lives, and by extension, the quality and the utter impact of the lives we lead. 
Actually, you know what? Whenever I think about all this, my thoughts inevitably turn to the story of Abraham in the Old Testament, which is the story of a journey that begins with a call and a promise. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, says the Lord to Abram, whose name will soon be Abraham. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, never mind that Abram is given scant details as to what direction he should go, nor is he offered any kind of prospectus or timeline for the journey ahead. Assurance for the safety and security of kith and kin? Nothing of the sort. Just the call to go. But here's the thing, as it's simply stated in Genesis. So Abram went, just as the Lord had told him. And you and I, we shake our heads in wonder at the boldness of such a move. The Reverend David Steele, in a book of poetic essays entitled History, Her Story, and Our Story, speaks for most of us, I suspect, about this, when he writes that we're pretty sure that if a person has faith, he's going to be pretty well off. We know she'll have a nice family. We 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 understand that the kids will turn out well. But most of all, we know they'll feel secure and no peace of mind. But here's Abram, who, when he responds to God's call to leave family and the familiar and to set off on a great adventure, he takes on new challenges, new headaches. His life becomes more complicated and less secure. He moves directly into the unknown. God never lets him settle down, and the Bible calls that faith. Indeed, Steele concludes, our ideas that faith means a whole lot of peace and quiet, prosperity and tranquility, don't hold much water when we get to looking at Abraham. But it was faith. Faith alive. Faith bold. Faith trusting. And risky to the point of what some in the world might even consider reckless. It was faith that led Abram towards a pathway that led ultimately to God's righteousness and God's blessing. Do we dare risk ourselves and our lives to a true faith in God? To move more fully into life? To discover untold blessings? So that we might become a blessing as we do? Seems to me, friends, that where true life is concerned, that is what it's going to take for check and mate. And that's it for another episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.